Welcome back to our REACH series. I hope you've been enjoying the series. This is our fourth week, and, and we've been talking about living beyond ourselves and how God wants us to live beyond ourselves. And what that really means is that God wants you to live beyond what you can think, imagine, or dream that you can do. In other words, you, living beyond yourself requires help from God. Right? The only way I'm going to live beyond Jamie is that it's going to take some God power in my life to live beyond me. Right? So what do I have to do? We've been talking about how I have to surrender. I may need to re-surrender. We learned from the life of Abraham how he had to re-surrender his life. Re-surrender his dreams and his passions and his ambitions and his promise. His promise was Isaac, and he had to re-surrender Isaac back to God. You know, if I live a life of re-surrender, then I can actually begin to live beyond myself. You know, I was foolish enough one day to think that I surrendered one time and I was good for the rest of my life. But then God said, oh, no, buddy, we're not done. We got some more. And what I'm realizing now is it's a daily re-surrendering. Now, I believe all of us want to live in the presence and the power and, and just be used by God every day. I believe if, if you really have given your life to Jesus and you're in love with him, I believe that that's a true desire of your heart is to be in his presence, right? To, to live in his presence, to, to go daily through whatever you do in his presence, hearing his voice, being in tune with him so that he can use you and work through you in a mighty way. We all want that, right? It starts with resurrendering. Because when I wake up in the morning, I want to do what I want to do. You see, it's still, it's still about me. But I got to lay that down, right? I got to re-surrender. Then we talked about how you got to hear God's voice. And how, how and actually, we, we, I taught on something, and I'm just telling you, I believe that, that some, some lies were broken. Some bad doctrine was broken over some of you. Because that same thing had been broken over me, that people told you that God doesn't speak to us. And that's a lie from the deepest pit of hell. You know, that Sunday I had more spiritual attack that morning that in the day before than I've, I've had in a long time. Because God knew that I was coming to deliver a message that he still speaks to his people. That he speaks to every one of his believers. That it's, it's for them. I mean, what happens if the church starts hearing God's voice? What happens if everybody in this building starts hearing the voice of God? You want to talk about an eruption. You want to talk about 3,000 being saved daily. You want to talk about something incredible happening. Right? If we all begin to hear God's voice, we resurrender our lives. You, you got to start by resurrendering. Then you got to ask God, Lord, tell me something. Speak to me. And you got to listen. Right? And today we're going to talk about how you got to obey the call of God. Because it's one thing to resurrender, it's one thing to hear. But it's a whole nother beast, a whole nother can of worms to obey. Right? Because let me be honest with you. There's been times in my life where I've wanted to hear. Oh, God, please, Lord, speak to me. I want to be used by you, Lord, please. And it was sincere. And it was, it was passionate. And I was on the floor crying. Lord, please use me. And then he said something. I said, oh, not for that. Can I skip to the next assignment? Can I just be honest? Sometimes I don't like what he says. Right? Sometimes it's scary. So we're going to talk about that today. Is that all right? So today's message is entitled Obeying God's Call. 
And I want to talk to you about two things real quick before we jump into the message. The first one is fasting. I'm going to be fasting this week. This is a great time in our church. We've, we've been discovering what God wants to do and, 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 and discovering how God wants us to live beyond ourselves. And, and we, we've been talking about, you know, the vision that God has given us as a church. And we've talked about the plans that, that have been made to accomplish that vision. Right? So we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And so to hear from God clearly on what he wants me to do, this week I'm going to fast. Not a big heavy just a light, easy fast. And so I'm asking you to join me in whichever way you want to. And fasting is not a diet. Fasting is just basically giving up something and replacing it with prayer and time with God. Simple enough. It could be coffee. You know, for the super spiritual, it could be bluebell. Right? I mean, you got to really be mature for that. Okay? I had my last shot last night, so I'm good. But I'm going to ask you to fast with me this week, two or three times this week. And when, I, when, you, when you fast, listen, this is how I want you to pray. Because I want us to all be on the same page. I don't want you to say, God, what do you want me to do? I want you to say, God, what do you want to do through me? Because when you say, God, what do you want me to do? That stays within your ability to accomplish it. When you say, God, what do you want to do through me? That says, Lord, I want to live beyond myself. Right? And then the second thing I want you to do is I want you to, to, to participate with me on Commitment Weekend. That's March 30th. We're going to make a commitment as a church, a three-year financial commitment for this REACH project. And I want you to make a commitment with me. Is that okay? I want you to commit with me. Listen, I am praying because I believe in equal sacrifices, not equal gifts. I can't give what some of you are, are, are able to give, but I can sacrifice equally with you. Does that make sense? That's all I'm looking for is equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. I could come in here and say everybody has to give $30,000 for the next three years. If not, you can leave the church. That wouldn't be fair. Right? Is that okay? You do those things. Would you participate with me, please? So today I want to talk about obeying God's call. And I know sometimes we hear God's voice and we read his word and we hear it say something to us. And we kind of go, ah, let me ask you a question. Have you ever compromised when God's spoken to you? Maybe kind of try to wheel and deal. Some of you are wheeler dealers, right? God, God will tell you to do something. You say, okay, Lord, that, that sounds good. But what, what if we go this way? You know, instead of tomorrow, what if we put that off to like next Monday? Lord, my schedule's kind of busy. You know, I, I would be more spiritual next Monday. Anybody ever kind of wheel and deal with God a little bit? You kind of say, oh, that Lord, oh, man, that's awesome. God, yeah. Oh, that, whoo, we're going to touch those people. Yeah, hallelujah. All right. Can we do it next week? <laughs> I, I've done that. I, I don't know why. I just I, it, sometimes I like to see if I can win. I know I can't win, but I just try. Right. John 14, 23 says this says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and, and, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that a good verse? Isn't it funny how sometimes one little verse can rock your world, right? Let me read that again. It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. In other words, he will obey what I'm saying. He will obey my written word and he will obey my spoken word. Come on, you with me? Shake a head or something. If you're too still, I'm not going to preach good. Okay. So he says it. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. And we, the father and the son, the Holy Spirit, we will come to him and make our home with him. 
Come on, I want him at home. I want to be at home with God. Right? I want to be at, I want it to be so natural. I want it to be just the norm. Are you with me? I want to be at home with God. That requires of something of me. It requires me to obey his word. Amen? Obedience is not a rule book. It's a condition of the heart. Obedience isn't about the do's and don'ts in the Christianity. It's about your heart. It all starts in your heart. Because you see, if you love God, you have no problem obeying God. It starts in the heart. It comes out of the heart. It doesn't, it's not supposed to come out of fear that, oh, if I don't do the do's and don'ts of the Bible, then God's going to strike me down and he's not going to love me. God doesn't want you to serve him and obey him because of that attitude. He wants you to serve him and love him and obey him because you love him and because you want to. Right? I want Ethan to take the trash out on his own without being told with a good attitude because he loves me. Not because it's his duty. Right? The other morning he got up, he blessed the mess out of me. He got up early. For some reason, the brother was up early. He always gets up early, but he got up like really early. He went outside, fed all the pigs, cleaned the chicken coop, fed the chickens, did all this stuff. This is like 630 in the morning. And then he goes to the kitchen and he writes a note. Hey, dad, I fed the pigs. And he slips it next to my nightstand while I'm still sleeping. So I wake up to dad, I fed the pigs. I went, ah, he loves me. I mean, come on, somebody. I almost did like a, a run around the bedroom. I was like, whoo! It's breakthrough, man. Right? The essence of obedience is love. It's love. It comes out of love. James 2, 14 to 17 says that what, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone, has, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Come on. That means we need to be doing something. Amen? We need to be doing some good work for the kingdom of God. And let me tell you something. God has an assignment for you. I believe daily when I wake up in the morning, God has a plan for my life. An assignment. He's got people he wants me to bump into. Sometimes that happens literally. Sometimes you rear in somebody and it ends up being a God moment. That happened to me and Pastor Bubba one time. Amen? I heard an incredible story this week. There was a girl that she's substituting at one of the schools and she had a burden and a passion for the kids. A couple of the kids were coming to school and their clothes were kind of ragged out. So she went to her husband and she said, hey, can we take a little bit of money and buy them some clothes? And I just went, I never told them to do that. You with me? I never had to assign them to do that. That was something she felt. She had a burden. She had a passion. That's God speaking to her. Come on, somebody. And she went out and she acted on it. To me, I go, man, that's what it's about. Right? That's how you change lives. Is you act on it. Obedience is the key to our faith coming alive. Have you ever heard God say something and then didn't obey? And then on the backside of it kind of went, God. Man, I missed out on an opportunity. 
Can I be honest? I hate it when I do that. I'm serious. I really do. Because on the backside of it, I go, God, man. Because I start wondering, you know, what, what could have happened if I would have just listened? You follow me? I'll give you a good example of, of me personally, financially. It was, we were still living in Jennings, and I was praying one morning and, and had a quiet time and was in the presence of God. And he started to have my, my, uh, my journal out, and I was writing, and, and he just started whipping things out for me to do. Boom, boom, boom. It was, it was incredible. Okay? And I just went. So I'm writing stuff down, and, and one of them was, go refinance your house. And I was like, okay. Sounds pretty good. So I wrote everything else down, all the other things, and I went, okay. But I didn't do it. I delayed. And then when I went to do it, the interest rates had already gone higher than what I already had. And I went, God, I missed it. I was like, knucklehead. I don't know what you call yourself, but I mean, it's just, I missed it. I missed an opportunity. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Let me ask you a question. Where does the miraculous happen? When you obey. The miraculous happens just on the other side of your obedience. Come on, we all want to see miracles. I get tired of hearing people in church. Man, I wish we'd seen the miracles we read about in the Bible. I'm like, well, why can't we? Why can't we see those miracles? I'm believing for those miracles. I'm seeing things happening. Why aren't you? Could it be because you're still walking in disobedience or delayed obedience? Because the miraculous happens on the other side. Amen? Let me give you the, a couple ways that disobedience happens. Number one, it, it's, it, it happens with direct, directness. Direct obedience is one way that we disobey. It's kind of like, you remember when your kids were young and you and all the guys were outside barbecuing or maybe balling crawfish and you had a hot pot right there? You remember that? And, the, and your, your youngest one is just starting to walk. And so you, for some ungodly reason, your wife lets them out the house. <laughs> Right. And so here they come. They just kind of be bopping around. And they, where do they go? Where do they go? Straight for the pot. I don't know why, but they go. And so everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so, you know, this is kind of the way we work at our house. We'll kind of take the baby and, and put the hot, hot, hot. I mean, you know, we get them close enough for it to be warm. We go, hot. No, no. Right. And so we think we got it. We think they're good. And so we go back to talking about the football game and this and that, how the Saints should have drafted so-and-so and saved money here and all this. And so, and then we, if we don't watch, what happens? Some of your kids go straight back for the pot because they want to go to hot, hot. Right? And they, That's direct disobedience. You warned them, you told them, and what did they do? They went straight back to the pot. Some of you were like that. Right? The second way we disobey is with delayed obedience. Sometimes we procrastinate. We procrastinate. Well, it's kind of funny and I hate to embarrass my kids, but oh well. Sometimes when we're doing chores around the house and we got like a big, big work day around the house, I got to watch because a few of my kids, they kind of go through this phase where as soon as the work starts, all of a sudden they got to go to the bathroom. Right? Oh, and it's the longest one in history. And you're like, so what I do now is like, okay, everybody go to the bathroom. 
We're getting ready to get started. But that's the, the, the delaying, right? But some of us are like that, right? God says to do something and we make excuses. Or we, we procrastinate. Or we kind of put it on the back burner. Or we kind of go, oh, I didn't hear nothing. I'm good. And you don't go talk to God for the next three weeks because you don't want to hear it. Anybody like that? It's delayed disobedience. But here's the funny thing is they're both disobedience. Whether it's direct or delayed, it's, it's still disobedience. You know, it's funny is when we talked about Abraham, the Bible says that when God told Abraham to go sacrifice his son, the next morning he got up and he went. He didn't delay. Because what happens when we delay? Excuses come. Right? Things come and they start trying to distract us and take us away. I got a humming in mic. They, they, start, they start distracting us. Right? Sometimes I'll go, I, I wait and I try to reason with God. Sometimes I question God. Sometimes I compromise with God. Isn't it true? Sometimes we do those things. But let me tell you, let me give you three ways that God wants you to obey. He wants you to obey quickly, quietly, and completely. Right? Think about it. When you, when you give somebody instructions, let's say it's your kids or, or somebody that works for you, when you give them instructions or direction or, or, a, or a chore or an assignment to do, what do you expect? Get it done. Get it done. Without running your mouth. Right? I don't want to hear the fussing and the whining and the complaining. I don't want to hear excuses about why it's not going to work. Right? I just want you to go do it. One of the pleasures of working Mexicans is that you tell them to go do something and they speak Spanish and you don't know what they're saying, but they got to go do it anyway. That's pleasure. Because you know they're complaining and they're fussing and they're talking about your bald head and they're talking about your mama and everything else, but they don't matter because you don't understand. Just go and do it. Right? So he wants us to obey quickly, quietly, and completely. Sometimes we're partially obedient or delayed in our obedience because of one thing. Fear. Isn't that true? Because of fear. And there's many different fears. I'm going to give you four of them. Number one is fear failure. God, God gives you an assignment or he, he speaks to you and he said, tells you to do something. And, and instantly some of you may go to fear of failure. Man, you know, what if it doesn't work? I'm going to look like a fool. You know, what, what, if, what if I misheard? What, what, if I, what, if it was the, what if the devil's trying to sneak me? You ever say that? You know, what if, what if it just, oh man. What if God doesn't show up? What if he leaves me hanging? It's fear of failure. The second one is maybe fear of success. You know, God tells you to do something. You go out and do it and you got this great victory. Right? God moves and you see God use you in an incredible way. And you kind of go, woo! But then you got to deal with all the repercussions. Right? Oh, God. Now I got to live up to this. Right? What are people going to say about me? This is, let, me give you, let me give you a little bit of free advice. People already think you're weird. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. They do. They think you're weird. They think you're weird because you kind of, you're like a, a boat in the waves. You kind of, one day you're a good Christian, the next day you're not. One day you're a good Christian, the next day you're not. One day you say, praise Jesus. One day you say, beep, beep, beep. Right? So they already think you're weird. 
Okay, so won't you just go ahead on and be full blown weird and consistent by obeying God? What's wrong with that? You know, it's actually weird to obey God today. It's weird to raise your children right today. It's weird to have a great marriage today. Right? They already think you're weird. Just let them see the consistency in it. So number two is fear of success. Number three is fear of man. Whoo. And it's a good one. Sometimes we care more about what people think than what God thinks. We're more worried about the approval of people than we are of God. And I'm guilty as charged. Can I tell you something? It's a struggle sometimes to not try to please all of you and please God. Because I worry about what you think about me. Sometimes I stay up at night worrying if you like me or not. Can I just be honest? God told me when he first sent us here, he said, listen, don't worry about anybody else. If you mess up, I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But sometimes we worry about, we have a fear of man. And then the fourth thing is, is we have a fear of the future. (laughs) God tells you to surrender something. I bet Abraham was thinking that. I bet Abraham went, God, I, I just, I'm, I'm 100 years old, man, and just got my first kid. And you, you want me to what? Go where and do what? Well, well, man, I'm 100. I mean, the chances aren't in my favor of having another one. Right? I mean, don't you think he had a fear of the future? But you know how you combat that fear? With obedience. When God says it, that's why you need to be quick about it. You don't, let, you don't need to let fear stir up inside of you and let the enemy start whispering in your ear and giving you excuses. God says to do it, you need to go do it. Quickly, quietly, and completely. Take away the chance of fear. Right? Some of you, God's spoken to your heart to lay some things down and to take up some new things, maybe jump into a ministry or something. But you got this fear that if I lay these things down, if I quit this job or if I go into this, then, man, what's my future going to be like? Am I ever going to get to go on vacation again? I've had those thoughts. Sold my bass boat one time. Will I ever get to go fishing again? My pastor tells me all backsliders go fishing. Every time I want to go fishing, I told him the other day, I said, I'm taking off. He said, where are you going? I'm going fishing. Backsliders, go fishing. I'm thinking, well, what do duck hunters do? That's my response. Because I'd rather go chase a fish than a bird. How many of you ever let fear overtake your obedience? And on the backside of that, how's that feel? Remember what that feels like? It don't feel good. Right? Sometimes we beat ourselves up to the point where the enemy jumps on board and he brings condemnation. And then we go through this season of not even talking to God because we feel like we've blown it. And he's sitting there telling us, oh, yeah, you blew it. I want to show you something from the life of Joshua. Joshua was facing one of the scariest times in his life. For many years, he was Moses's protege, Moses's right hand man. He was he was Moses's gopher. In Joshua 1, we pick up the story where Moses just died. And the mantle of leadership goes from Moses to Joshua. 
Okay? And so God speaks to Joshua and gives Joshua some instructions on what to do. Right? And he's got a choice to make. Do I obey God or do I not? So let's pick the story up here in Joshua 1, verse 1 to 2. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So he said, my servant Moses has died. I'm putting his mantle of authority, his mantle of leadership on you, Joshua. And I want you to take these people across the Jordan and bring them to the, to the land that I am giving them. Okay? So Joshua has this tremendous task from God. And I guarantee you he was scared. Because many times in the first parts of Joshua, the story, God constantly tells him, do not, he says, be strong and do not fear. Be strong and of good courage. He tells him over and over, be strong, Joshua, and have good courage. Be strong. You know, as believers, we need to encourage one another to be strong and do what God says. Because sometimes you just need to see somebody look at you and say, hey, I know you're going through it, but just be strong. Be strong. Have good courage. God is with you. He's not against you. Right? Let me tell you, that helps me. When people look at me and say, Pastor, I know, you, I know you're going through it, but just look, be strong. Stand strong, man of God. Come on, you, you got this. Stand strong. Be of courage. If I know that people are telling me that, and they're reminding me that that's what God is saying to me, there's nothing in the way. Amen? Nothing in the way. So Joshua had a choice to make. Here's the interesting thing. He had the free will to make the choice. He could have said, yes, Lord. Or he could have said, no, Lord. Right? Thank God he said, yes, Lord. Right? Thank God he said, yes, Lord. Yes, I'll go. Because why? The children of Israel went into the promised land. They made it to the promised land. Come on, somebody. Your promised land is just on the other other side of your obedience. This one thing that, that, that this one thing that you just won't listen to God about is keeping you out of your promised land. The one thing that you're afraid to obey God with is keeping out of you, keeping you. It's keeping you out of the promised land. One thing. Sometimes it's the smallest thing. There's a river in front of you and you're scared to cross it. All I got to say to you this morning is be strong and of good courage. Because your destiny lies on the other side. Your future lies on the other side. The promises lie on the other side of your obedience. I know it's scary. I know you're worried. I know you got fear. But be strong. Be strong. Let me give you three steps to walking in obedience. Number one, you need to believe God is for you. This is a big one. You need to believe that God is for you. Because sometimes we believe that God just wants us to do things and he's not really with us. Or he's not really for us. Right? Sometimes we believe that he's not even in our favor. 
that he, some of you believe that he's just there for a 911 call. God is for you. He is not against you. That's breaking a lie in somebody's life today. That God is for you. He is not against you. He is in your favor. He and his team are with you. They are going with you. He's actually going before you, the Bible says. And he's setting things up for you. When he told Joshua to go take the promised land, he said, take the land that I am giving you. He didn't send him and say, hey, you need to go get that land. Figure it out. He said, I am giving you that land. God is for him. That comes back to one thing that God is good. God is only good. He doesn't make evil plans. He doesn't try to manipulate you. He doesn't try to use witchcraft on you. He doesn't try to strong arm you. He is for you and he is only good. He is only good and he only has good for you. Somebody needs to get that this morning because I'm going to keep preaching it until somebody gets it. Because somebody is locked up in this lie of thinking that God is not for me. And it's a lie. It's a lie. He is for you. Matthew 7, 11 says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Romans 8, 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. You see, God's thinking about you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's thinking about you. Look at your other neighbor and say, God's thinking about you. And he's got peace for you. He's got a plan for you. And he's got hope for you. Come on, somebody. He's got hope for you. He's for you, not against you. He's with you. Come on. Dear goodness. If God is for you, then who can be against you? You know what that means? That means if God is for you, who can defeat you? If God is for you, who can stop you? If God is for you, who can get in the way? If God is for you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says or thinks. If God is for you, it doesn't matter what your reputation is because it's good with him. That's the only relationship or the only that you need to worry about is your relationship or your, your, yeah, that thing. With him. God, where'd that word go? Reputation. One bite too much of bluebell last night. I knew I should have quit on the last bite. But your reputation doesn't matter unless it matters to God. Forget what other people think. When we went to start this church, there was all kind of rumors going on. Oh, those people, they, they're wicked. What they doing? Come to Some of the preachers in the church actually said, well, they didn't ask us if they could come to the church. Can I tell you something? I'm kind of like, well, excuse me, when you became God. 
Now we're planting in Crowley. Man, there's all kind of rumors. There's been a rumor me and Cheryl's quitting this church and we're starting our own church. Since we, since we started making plans to go to Crowley, it's been every pastor on, on staff is going to pastor that church. Oh, it's going to be Pastor Josh. Oh, no, it's going to be Pastor Zach. Oh, no, Pastor Bob is leaving Jennings. He's going to pastor that church. I'm like, what? People talk. So what? So what? They don't validate you. God validates you. God puts value on you. Not people. You just stay the course. And I promise you over a period of time, all the naysayers will come back around and say, hey, would you pray for me? Hey, can, can you can we talk? You remember the story of the guy I used to work for? He used to give me hell. Literally, because he knew I was a Christian. I was a youth pastor. He knew it. He'd give me just I'm t- intentional. It's like his goal every day was not to see how much work he could accomplish, but how much hell he could give me. And he kept on and kept on. Let me tell you, there was many days I wanted to pop that brother's head off of his shoulders and kick it down the road. Okay. Just had this thought, thoughts that I've had. I mean, many days I wanted to do that, but I stayed the course. I stayed the course. And one day out the blue, his teenage boy comes into our youth group, broken, rebellious, looking for help. You know who brought him? His daddy. His daddy dropped him off. Because let me tell you something. The people that are watching your life and they see God in your life, they see the obedience. When you, when you, when you obey God, the miraculous happens and they see it. When they see it, something changes inside of them. They go, they might still say, oh, they're whacked out. But deep down inside, they're disagreeing with what they're saying. Right? And just let a crisis come. Oh, buddy, let a crisis come. And here they come. And they'll come in private. Just give them a little grace. Let them sneak up in the back door. Okay? Hey. They got you on the other side of the snack machine. Hey, real quick. Can you, can you pray for me? Before anybody else sees us? You know what you do? You say, sure. I'll pray for you. You got to believe that God is for you and not against you. He's for you, not against you. The second thing we see is that we need to, you need to don't believe a negative report. Don't believe a negative report. Joshua comes to a point and he sends out 12 spies to go spy out the land that God tells them to take. The, the very same land that God said, I'm going to give to you. Joshua says, I want, I'm going to send 12 guys to go out. Ten of them come back with an evil report or the Bible says a bad report. They come back, oh, man, Joshua, listen, man, Whew. man, they got some giants in there. <laughs> Pastor Jamie's like the smallest one. <laughs> I mean, Lord, uh, King uh, jo- Joshua, we can't take this land, man. You, you misheard. You need to go back and pray again. Right. For some of you, you've had a hard time being who you are today because of all the naysayers. And all the people that gave a bad report about you said you'll never amount to anything. Right? But there was two. There was two out of the 12 that came back with a good report. I bet the other 10 were going, did we go to the same place? 
Y'all, y'all didn't go. Y'all must have went to Basil. Y'all didn't go to Eunice. Right? Don't believe the negative report. Some of you have been fighting through that for years. The negative report. Some of it, your family has been the worst. Just, I mean, putting all kind of gri on you and trying to cast spells and who knows, they might be cooking a gumbo and cursing you and all this. I mean, you in South Louisiana, you never know what's going to happen around. They might even have a voodoo doll in the back and they're putting pins in you. I mean, I don't know. But there's been some people with a negative report over you and you've had to, you've had to walk through that, right? You've had to trust God through that. That's where the rubber meets the road. Amen. That's where you discover that God is faithful, that he's always there. It's when everybody's saying, no, you can't do that. You can't go there. You can't. No, it'll never amount to anything. No, you're misled. You're, you're wacko. You've gone off the deep end. You've been brainwashed. And you're going, thank God, somebody finally washed my brain. It needed washing. But you've had to press through that. Anytime you make a stand for God, let me tell you something. The naysayers are coming. They are coming. They're coming out. They're coming out like the cockroaches. I'm serious. You ever turn the lights on? I remember being a kid. We go stay at my aunt's house in, in Orange, Texas, and they didn't spray. And I used to have to sleep on the floor. So my cousins, meaning evil for me, would tell me to go get something out the kitchen. So I'd be feeling through the halls and I didn't know they were right behind me. I'm feeling through the halls and I get to the kitchen and I'm walking and they, and they're right behind me. They throw the lights on. It's like cockroaches everywhere. That's like the naysayers. You just make a stand for God and man, here comes the cockroaches. You know what you do with a cockroach, right? You step on it. You just make sure it don't jump up on your foot. Don't believe the negative report. I know some people, you go to them with a negative report, you're going to get rebuked. Isn't that what Jesus did to Peter? One of his own disciples? Oh, Lord, I'm never going to let anything happen to you. Get behind me, Satan. You might stop him from saying something to your face if you did that. <laughs> you, you'll never do that. Get behind me, Satan. You call me Satan. <laughs> you're acting like him. Number three, just do it. Just do it. Don't make any excuses. Just do it. We're talking about steps to walking in obedience. Number one is you got to believe God is for you. And when you know that you can go forward, then you can't believe the negative report because it's going to come. You need to expect it. In fact, you need to use the negative report as an indicator that you're doing something right. When everybody loves me, I start going, okay, God, what did I do wrong? When I'm, oh, I'm the best pastor in the world. Oh God, I did something wrong. You need to just do it. Hear the voice of God. Confirm it in his word and in prayer and through godly counsel if you need to. And just do it. We've been talking about how God's audible voice will never conflict or never come against his written word. That's right. That's why it's important to read your Bible so you know who's speaking to you. Because if what you're hearing don't line up with this, it ain't right. It's not right. But if you don't know the truth, how can you discern between the truth and the lie? Because the, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. 
You can't know God's voice if you don't know this. Come on, somebody. But yet we have a hard time getting up reading our Bibles. Mm, Y'all love me till now. But you go two, three weeks and not even read your Bible, not even open it up. And then the next time you get to it, you got to wipe the dust off of it. Let me tell you something. That's wrong. That's wrong because you expect God to do something in your life, but you're not willing to do your part. I come from the side of Christianity where it was all about the word. I was Baptist. Baptist people know the Bible. And they tithe. Baptist people tithe before they even saved. It's true. And they read their Bibles. And they listen to the preacher. And some of you come from the other side. More charismatic. More spiritual. Where it was all about the emotions and the feelings of God. And the moves of the spirit. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. They're both right. The problem is we have a hard time putting the two together. And mixing them up in this nice little bowl. To get the good thing that God wants us to have. Because he wants us to have a well balance of his word. And a well balance of his spirit. Come on somebody. That's called spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity doesn't happen when you start praying in tongues. Spiritual maturity starts happening when you hear the word. You read the word. You hear him speak. And you move in the gifts of the spirit that he's given you. And you go out and do the work of the ministry that he's given you. Amen. There's got to be a balance. There's got to be an equal mixture. That's how Jesus operated. He had the word and he had the spirit. And they, they came together inside of him. I know too many people that are super spiritual and ain't got no word in them. And I know too many people that can give you 250 memory verses without even looking at anything. And ain't got no spirit in them. We got to just do it. Got to just obey it. Sometimes you got to obey through it. You know what that means? That means that when your flesh is screaming out, no, I don't want to do that. No, this is embarrassing. Oh, God, please. I don't want to do this. But you do it anyway and you just obey through it. And then what happens when you break through it? You get to the other side. And you go, wow. Wow. I bet you when Joshua crossed the Jordan and they got into the promised land. Now, it wasn't all peaches and cream. They felt all kind of resistance. But I bet you there was an aha moment. I bet you there was a moment when it went, God, man, God, you're so good. I never forget the time my wife and I were driving in the car and The Lord spoke to us and said, I want you to put, I don't remember if it was $500, put it in somebody's mailbox. Can't tell you I had an issue or two or 500. I have 500 issues not to do it. But we we did a drive-by. We did it. We did a drive-by. We kind of. Made a level of rounds, made sure they, they went outside and we whoosh, pulled up real quick. <laughs> hey, you just soon make it fun. <laughs> now, if we got a ticket on top of that 500, I'd have really been disappointed. But we did a drive by. You know what? Somebody's life was changed. 
And you know what the greatest thing for me was? It wasn't the $500. It was that their life was changed, and I got to be a part of it. I got to be in the mix. In other words, God let me on the team. He let me play on the field. I wasn't just a bench sitter. I was a player. I was a starter. You see, too many of us are sitting on the bench. We want to start the game, but we don't want to do what it takes to start the game. Right? We don't want to do what it takes to to hear the coach say, hey, come on, champ, you up. When all we got to do is say, yes, Lord. Whether you want to or not. And then go do it. Just go do it. And see the miraculous happen. You know what should be going on in our life groups? It's not just about the teaching and the videos and the, you know, the, the great fellowship. We need to learn how to celebrate as, as, as believers. We need to learn how to just celebrate the things that are happening. We need to have people with some good testimonies. Seriously, we need to hear some good news. Amen. Yeah. Isn't it time for some good news? Yeah. Some time for some celebration. That's only going to happen when you get on the other side of obedience. And you see miracles happen and you get together in your little life groups with your friends. You go, hey, man, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you what God did. Miss Linda's got an incredible story about her brother. We prayed for him last week. He tried to commit suicide, shot himself with a shotgun. He walked out of the hospital on Friday. Come on. She's got a story. God showed up in his life, spared the man. He shouldn't have lived. Just do it and you're going to see what happens. Do you know right now in our children's church may lie the next Billy Graham? Billy Graham might be back there in that little room we, we remodeled, the little room with all the wild colors in it. He might be in there giving the teacher some hell. Not even knowing that he's the next Billy Graham. Are you with me? You never know what's on the other side. You know who my hero is? It's not necessarily Billy Graham. It's Billy Graham's Sunday school teacher. That's my hero. The little lady that had enough patience to deal with him. The little lady that stepped out when God said, I want you to go to children's church. And she went into children's church and she took some responsibility for some kids. And she studied her little message and she did her little homework. And she sat down and she said, okay, Billy, be good today. (laughs) She's my hero. Amen. Whatever God's calling you to do, obey. Just obey. Can I pray for you this morning? Maybe would you get on the keyboard? I want you to stand up with me. And I know that some of you in this room this morning. This is exactly what you needed to hear. Somehow or another, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you in some specific way. Through me speaking in all kind of crazy ways. I believe that he's speaking to all of us this morning. And I believe there's an area in life today that God is calling you to. There's a promised land that he's calling you to, telling you to go to. Let me share a story with you real quick about Itaj, one of my good friends. For, for years, I've been telling Mark and Itaj they need to start a life group. 
pushing him, getting aggravated. He needs to start a life group. He needs to start a life group. So they finally stepped out and they started a life group. And they are so excited about their life group. I mean, I'm serious. It's driving me nuts because they're more excited about their life group than I am about mine. So I'm going like, what's wrong with me? And I'm seeing growth and I'm seeing things change in their life. And it's just on the other side of their obedience. Amen. You never know what's on the other side. Just do it and you'll discover it. Amen. Lord, we love you this morning. We bless you. Lord, I pray against fear this morning. Fear of failure, leave in the name of Jesus. Fear of success, leave in the name of Jesus. Fear of man, leave in the name of Jesus. Fear of the future, leave in the name of Jesus. Father, take away every fear, every worry, every doubt, every concern, every bit of anxiety, Lord, take it away. Take it away, Lord. Help us to lay it down, Lord. Father, help us to remember always. Just set it like concrete down in our spirit, Lord, that you are for us and not against us. And that if you are for us, then who can be against us? I pray that one scripture just goes over and over and over in our minds. Every time we're we're faced with an opportunity or a chance to either obey or disobey, I pray that verse just pops up that if God is for us, who can be against us? And we stand on that word, Lord, as a church, Father, that we resurrender our lives daily and we, we listen to your voice and then we do what it says and we just see the miraculous happen. Father, I just pray for an excitement, just an anticipation. I see a day coming, Lord, where we talk about the good things of God. We talk about the miracles we've seen this week. We come together in a church service and so many people are just sitting in their seats talking with the person next to them, telling them what God has done. And we're just enjoying the favor and enjoying what God has done in this region and in our lives and through us. I see that day coming, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord. I know you got plans for us every day. Plans to prosper us, plans to give us good success, plans of peace, plans of hope. Hmm. Lord, I pray for supernatural run-ins, fender benders, surprises, running into people at Walmart and Winn-Dixie, Lord. I thank you for the time the lady in our church ministered to the lady that was checking her out at Pizza Hut. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness towards us. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen this morning?